0: Thank you Ben and this is Tony LaGreca, and this is the Courage to Hope. And tonight's special guest is Kerry Bickford from Cape Cod. Welcome Kerry.
1: Thank you uh, Tony, so happy to be here.
0: Well Kerry, we know we know through Sad OD that we um, that you seem to be involved in an awful lot of events and things with Sad OD right up to the point of being the you're the publisher of the of the voice the Is that a weekly newsletter or a monthly?
1: It's a monthly newsletter. And um, I am the founding editor. Um, I started in April of 2020. And the current editor is Luke Schmaltz. And I am an editorial advisor because I moved over to uh, do some writing on the side, which I still do because I love to write. And I'm also um, a peer grief specialist with support after a death by overdose, which is what the SADOD acronym stands for. And we wanted to make um, space for that particular work. So I I do, a, I do both now.
0: Okay, well you are very busy, but <clears throat> let's go back in time a little bit and talk about how you happened to get into this, the whole genre of things that you're doing today. And this is regarding your son, Nathan. Could you like to elaborate a little on what what that was about and how it all came about?
1: Yes, um my my youngest son Nathan uh let's see died in, on August 15th 2018 of um complications <laughs> from substance use disorder. Actually, the um final diagnosis I believe was endocarditis, but he had been fighting the disease of addiction for over 10 years. We did everything in our power to support sobriety, recovery, hard limits, soft limits, everything we could do to support Nathan in terms of trying to get him to um, somehow get a handle on this disease. And in the end, we all failed. But I'd like to say a little more than that, and what I'd like to say is that Nathan was a beautiful intellectual spirit, very very introverted, but a beautiful introverted spirit who uh, grew up on Cape Cod, playing sports, going to school. He was very smart, did really well, received all kinds of awards, the Presidential Academic Excellence Award and all of those kinds of things, and was really an easy child. So he was not a, um, you know, he wasn't red flagged in any way for this, but um, you know, he fell into that generation of opioid users, and um, once he sort of started, we just couldn't stop stop him, and that was probably in his the second half of his senior year of high school is when it all started, and like I said, ten years of back and forth into and out of recovery. With long periods of sobriety, and just every effort he could make, he made, and he had a wonderful medical team. But he could not; he just could not um, somehow um, slay the dragon, as we say.
0: Yeah, that's you know. With my own son, once he got started, it was a it was a marathon with with no finish line. Just kept that's on it. going. And it's one of those things, and you have to be the parent to understand exactly what we're talking about.
1: Yes.
0: So, in in this weekend, we're having a grief conference. Um, what is the technical word for this conference?
1: It's a. Uh, I think we're calling it hope. Uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, oh, isn't it funny that I'm I'm, on blanking on the name of the conference, but it's healing through hope is what the um, finish line goal is. And what it is, is we did it for the first time last year and we're trying to bring together people who have similar stories. And there are a number of incredible workshops to help people deal with their grief, um, see what it's like for other people, um, hear other people's stories, which are very similar, find resources to support them and their families, Uh, find ways to um, do self-care while they're grieving. There are so many um, incredible workshops that are all focused around helping people heal and move toward um, living with something that you are living with for the rest of your life, which is the grief of losing your child, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your son, your daughter. Um, And so... uh, You know, we're doing that this weekend for the second time, and uh, we have two workshops that I'm facilitating, uh, co-facilitating, and the one that you're in, which is Grandparents um, Grieve, which we can talk about in a few minutes. I'm sure you'd like to talk about that. And the other one is a uh, workshop called Silver Linings. I've been doing some work with a friend of mine who's an artist. Her name is Christine Rathbun Ernst, and she has a workshop. Uh, where she um, uh, creates jewelry, uh, very unique pieces of jewelry. I'm actually wearing um, a bracelet with Nathan's name on it that she made. She repurposes old silver pieces into um, this sort of memorable, um, you can put your child's name on it. You can say Nathan's mom, or you can just say Nathan, or you can say a word about how you're feeling, hope, love. Uh, so we have a workshop. We had 40 people sign up to make a piece of jewelry. So that was well received. And there are many other workshops that will be, um, uh, you know, sibling support. Uh, we have a therapy dog who he, who spends the weekend with us. His name is Gilbert. We have uh, four keynote speakers. We have, uh, you know, yoga and, um, you know, healing arts and Um, a father's group, which is very important because a lot of fathers grieve and need that kind of support. And we have an incredible father's group. So, and I believe you're part of that uh, panel too, as well. Yeah, I'm
0: part of two groups. Yes. And I make it clear, this is, so um, this starts on the 20th, but if you can't get there on Friday, most of the, all the breakout groups are on the 21st and 22nd. So Correct. you could go to the sadodorg website and yes. sign up. And it's at the Sheridan in Framingham, uh right That's off of right. Route 9 and right off of the mass turnpike. Very, exactly. very easy to get to.
1: Very easy to get to. And by the way, it's called Finding Connections in Grief. That little momentary lapse I had came back to me. And these are all the workshops are all trying to make those connections. So um it's. I'm really looking forward to it. We had a wonderful time last year, um, convening and sharing our stories and um, doing a lot of incredibly moving, um, you know, rituals. We have some closing rituals that are just beautiful, and lo- the loved ones are welcome, welcomed into the room to be there with us during this time.
0: It's very, very valuable. But this is a a yearly uh, event, so if you're hearing the show on Monday night, it'll be a year from now. So. But if you're hearing it on Thursday night, you're um, you're in good shape. You have plenty of time to get there. And even if you want to come for just one day, I think Saturday would be the key day to get there. There's several choices of different breakout sessions that you can participate in. So let's talk about the, um, the, the, the grandparent group that you're in charge of. You're in charge of the one at this event, but also on a national level, you're involved in another one. Could you discuss that?
1: Yes. Um, so I've been, well, so back in 2009, well, actually it was 2008, Governor Patrick, Governor Deval Patrick uh, formed a commission on the status of grandparents raising grandchildren in Massachusetts. And in 2009, I was his appointee to this commission, which it was really an honor. And I served for uh, over 10 years on the commission. And actually at the time that I started this work, I stepped off the commission, but I still work closely with them on a lot of issues because I still work closely with grandparents. Uh, What it is, is we um, try to provide resources and support to grandparents who are raising their grandchildren for any reason. But as we know, over the last decade, that has, uh, the statistic has raised itself to over 85% are raising their grandchildren as a result of the overdose crisis. And UMass Medical School did a uh, study with us to confirm that statistic. And it's online if anyone wants to Google it. There are a lot of details involved in there. But uh, what we saw were more grandparents coming forward who had um, been assigned custody, whether it was temporary or permanent custody of their grandchildren because their adult child was either unable to care for their children because of a substance use disorder or they were uh, deceased, and perhaps the surviving parent was still struggling with the disorder, which is many often oftentimes the case. So grandparents became the go-to people to raise these grandchildren, and uh, I became a grandparent raising my grandchildren uh, as a result of their mother. She was not my daughter, uh, but I I raised two children. Who, um, whose mother died of a drug overdose in 2010. She had a kidney disorder and she became addicted to uh, Percocets. So uh, I was appointed to this commission and I was living this lifestyle. I was working in Barnesville County as a youth development educator. So I had a lot of colleagues and a lot of people in the community who could support me as we were trying to figure out how we were going to be more supportive to this population of people, because I was one of the lucky ones. I have a husband uh, who, you know, he's a psychiatric social worker. So he is really, um, he was working, I was working for the County. So we were in a position where we could afford to do this, but many grandparents are not in a position where they can afford it or, or even retired and living off of a, um, a very, you know, limited income, and now they've got grandchildren, and at that point in time, there was just nothing in place for them other than the stipend through DCF if they were to get the child through DCF. Things have changed a lot since then, and there are ways that uh, through Kinship Navigator that they can um, find ways to support them, the care of the child while they go to work, or support the child with uh, a financial um, you know, allowance monthly, free and reduced lunches, which in our community has now become available to everyone. But at one point that was not the case. And my community has really rallied around grandparents and there's a lot of amazing work being done on Cape Cod. And I, in fact, was appointed as a grandparent advocate by the Cape Cod Neighborhood Support Coalition about that same time in 2007 where uh, I began a support group, and um, I began to support grandparents raising their grandchildren on a monthly basis. We started out at what was then the Cape Cod Child Development Center, and now we were at the at the Cape Cod Family Resource Center. I uh, have some people who came in with their grandchildren in little baby buckets at several months old who are now walking in with them at 12 and 13 years old, and wow. they- they tell me they just can't imagine what they would do without this group because once a month they get to be with other grandparents who are living the life that they're living. They share their stories. They share resources and sometimes resources I don't even know about. Um, And they, uh, the most important thing is it's a beautiful support network and the kids all um, are in another room being cared for and doing activities. And they've, Formed a bond too. So it's been a beautiful piece of work. And that led me to the um, support after death by overdose senior staff or leadership staff asked me if I would consider doing some work for them as a grandparent advocate, uh, a peer grief specialist, which I had been trained to do uh, in July of 2022. So I thought about it for a while, and I thought, well, it makes a lot of sense because my oldest granddaughter, uh, who is now a senior at St. Anselm College in New Hampshire, was at that point a junior in college, and my youngest grandson that I raised uh, was a freshman at Cape Cod Community College, and so it was a really good time for me to to provide more support without actually being immersed in it, if you know what I'm saying. So, yeah. But having had the history, And knowing all the uh, connections statewide that, you know, having made connections statewide, it was pretty much a no brainer. And they were really happy to have somebody hit the ground running in the uh, grandparent peer grief specialist role. So, as I said, I transitioned over from editor of the newsletter where I was writing five articles a month. I mean, like heavy heartfelt articles a month to now I'm writing occasionally and really working as an advisor to our current editor who lives out of state and sort of relies on me to, um, you know, find the stories here on in Massachusetts, who's doing what work, who can we highlight, how can we highlight it? So the people who get these newsletters can read about what's happening in their community or another community, or they can join a zoom a meeting that might be three hours away but it's the perfect meeting for them and now they can connect to that meeting and it's just been a beautiful way to connect with all of the other people uh, who are doing similar bodies of work around the state. I just want to say one more thing the uh, Grandparents Commission Colleen Petoni is the uh, um, director of the Grandparent Commission and It's been really great to continue on her uh, quarterly meetings in the southeastern part of the state and the central part of the state, where literally we get on the screen with about 20 other people who represent agencies that work with grandparents who are raising their grandchildren in that part of the state, which has been a great way for them to tell me what they're doing so I can spread that word. And it also, gives them the opportunity to know what I'm doing and what we're doing because we have a very specialized job that we do and that is we provide grief support and resources around that grief and their work is much broader our work is much more focused so they're oftentimes very happy to know that there is somebody that they can do a soft handoff to when someone in their group dies or has lost a grandchild, or has lost an adult child, sometimes it's worse because the if the grandchild dies, they're left in the position of supporting the adult child and they um, don't get very much support themselves because they're supporting everyone else in the family. And they they feel a little sad and lost about that. So that is the job that I'm doing at this moment. And that is what I'm focused on uh, most. um, That's the biggest thing that I'm doing at Support After Death by Overdose. And I'm on a team who are known as the peer grief specialists. And we all work with the people who come forward and ask for help. Um, We're assigned through an uh, intake process.
0: So can they can people go to the OD website to sign up for the newsletter? Yes. And yes. and then and and also will they find you there at the same time after
1: absolutely listening to you now? Yes, it's sadod.org. It's a really great website. It's you know, there are support groups there, all there's a whole list of all the previous newsletter, the newsletter archive. There are descriptions of all the support groups. There are descriptions of all the support group facilitators. There is um there are bios on all of the staff all of the peer grief specialists and all the um, senior staff. So you kind of see that every person who works for support after death by overdose has expertise. Um, But what makes them special is they also have a connection to the subject matter because they've lost a family member to a substance related death. And that's whether it's by suicide, homicide, overdose, you know, there are a number of ways that can happen, uh, but but um, every single person on staff has had a loss.
0: Well, that's very good to know. And on a technical note, um, the, the two children that you were raising, did you adopt them or did you, uh, So did they have your last name or did they have yes. their mother's last name?
1: They had our last name. One of them is our, our grandson and one of them is his half sister. And we've had my grandson since he came home from the hospital. Uh, at two, he was born at two pounds two ounces and was at Children's Hospital for four months. And he's just a—he was a, a track star, so that. Then-